Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. As we begin the reading for today, one of the things that struck me right off the bat is the darkness of the picture that is portrayed of the world. We'll right away, the earth is corrupt before God. The earth is filled with violence. And the traditional commentaries disagree on what exactly it means that the, word, that the earth is corrupt um, or it's full of violence. Rashi says that the corruption is talking about various inappropriate behaviors and violence is talking about theft. Chizkuni uh, says that the corruption means that it was corrupt from the top. The leaders of the people were corrupt. Even perhaps some of the holy beings were corrupt and that that made its way down to humans. But whatever this means, whatever these words mean, we know that it's so bad. It's so bad that God has to do what? Destroy everything and start all over again. Seems pretty bad. And this idea stood out to me today. It stood out to me for a number of reasons, but one is because it's somewhat relatable to narratives that are put forward today. We can look around and see the violence in our world and think things are so bad, things are so bad, it would be better if we just started all over again. And in some ways, the vision of Noah is an escapist fantasy. Wouldn't it be nice if God showed up and said, everyone else is wrong, you're right, get on this boat, you don't have to do anything, just hang out for a few days, I'm going to shake the Etch-A-Sketch, we're going to start all over again, you'll be in charge. There are ways in which we might all kind of you know, want to hear that or, or feel that. We can look around and think this is really, really hard, the problems that we face today. The rabbis even note this about Noah, that as you, Noah, brought up, I don't know where you went to, buddy, but there you are. Take a break. You're off the clock. It's okay. But Noah, as you brought up, the Torah tells us that Noah is ish tam v'tzadik tam. He is righteous in his generation. And Noah, as you said, the rabbis asked this question, what does it mean that he's righteous in his generation? Is that that could be read to his benefit, meaning everyone around him is horrible. He was righteous. Oh, wow. How much more righteous would he be in a world where people are good, right? He must be so righteous. Or as Noah said, what did you hear the great line? The best of the bad options, right? Maybe he was like just a little bit righteous, but because everyone around him was so bad, that it was okay. Now, Rashi, again, one of our classic commentaries, believes that that's the answer. He says Noah was just a little bit righteous, but it was righteous enough. Why? We compare it to where we end the Parsha. We end the Parsha with Avraham. And when God comes to Avraham and says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, what does Avraham do? He argues, right? God, no, no, let me find 50 people. Give me 10 people. I'll find some folk who are righteous. We're going to save everyone. 
when God comes to Noah and says, I'm going to destroy the entire world, you got to build an ark and save yourself. Noah says, pass me the hammer. He doesn't try to save the others. He just escapes for himself. And so that, Rashi says, is a sign that he's only, he was good enough. He was good enough to be saved, but not where we should all be. Because the idea that we should be there to try to help others is ingrained in who we are and what we do. And it's important. And I would argue that it's never more important than it is right now. Because the other thing I noticed when I read the beginning of the Parsha is that all of those wicked people who do all of those horrible things, they are never given a name. They're never even given a description or what it is. that They are just a faceless mass of evil people. And so, of course, it's okay for Noah to let them all be destroyed because they're completely and wholly other. And we don't have to look very far in our world today to see the dangers of letting the other become so other that it's okay to try to hurt them. It's okay to completely ignore them. It's okay to break into their house and try to kidnap them. It's okay to do horrible things because the people we disagree with are so other that they're inhuman. And I don't have to tell the people in this room, if you get the same political ads in your feeds that I do, that no matter what side you're on, everyone is trying to tell you that the other are so horrible, it would be better if they just weren't here and we could do everything ourselves. And that's not the way the Torah wants us to behave. Rabbi Adler spoke earlier about the Tower of Bavel, also in this week's Parsha. And the great sin there is not that the people didn't agree, right? In fact, their problem there was their whole single-mindedness agreement to the detriment of other folk, right? When a brick fell, they were sad. When a person fell, they said, okay, whatever, let's keep going. The point is not that we all have to agree. The point is not that we all have to come to some sort of middle road. The point as we read through the Parsha, is that we can't ignore our connection with one another. We cannot let the other become so other that they no longer exist in our mind. Last trivia question. Noah, this one's also for you because you love questions. What is the first question in the Torah? Not the one, not the, sorry, the first question humanity asks God. There's a first question that God asks humans is where are you? The first question that God, that humans ask God, Cain asks it, it's, am I my brother's keeper? That is the first thing that the humanity asks God, am I my brother's keeper? And the rabbinic, rabbinic commentary says the entire Torah is an answer to that question. And if you read through this entire Torah, we begin here and we say, okay, am I my brother's keeper? Well, if they're so evil and terrible, we don't even know if we be, allow them to become of other then apparently to know and know they're not. If we look at the Tower of Bavel, am I my brother's keeper? Well, if we're so single focused on one goal and one goal alone, we can't think of anything else, then no, you're really apparently not. And so the answer doesn't come until the very end of the Parsha with the birth of Avraham. And then we're going to go from there. The answer to the question of am I my brother's keeper is absolutely 100% yes. And how do we do that is the Torah. 
a covenantal relationship, being bound to one another, not being the same as one another, not agreeing with one another, but not being able to deny our responsibility for one another. Because that's what the entire Torah is about. It's about laws that we take on, on how we can treat our fellow, on how we should treat other people and respect and expect to be treated in return. Again, lots of disagreement in the rabbinic world, but a connection that is undeniable. And that, says our rabbinic commentary, is the answer to the question of, am I my brother's keeper? And finally, the last thing we see in this Parsha is a warning to not let the darkness in the world cloud us being able to see that we are, in fact, our brother's keepers. There's a story that the Hasidic rabbi tells that there are two chassids in the Beit Midrash, and they're arguing about when you say the Shema in the morning. The background is the Shema we're supposed to say at the first light. As soon as it is no longer nighttime, you have to say the Shema. But when exactly is that? Right? Anyone who's been up from darkness until dawn knows that there's gradations. And so the rabbis argue, well, it's when you can tell the difference between blue and green. The color's blue and green. That's when it's nighttime. And then one says, no, it's actually when you can tell from 100 yards away if the tree is a fig tree or a date tree, then it's morning time. Another one says, no, no, no. It's when you can, from 50 feet away, tell the difference between uh, you know, a, a Labrador and a Golden Doodle. That's when, it's the, that's when you can tell. And the Hasidic Rebbe steps in and goes, no. No. It's when you can look at another person no matter who they are, and recognize that they are your brother and your sister. Only then is the world no longer in darkness. And it is our job, friends, not to agree, not to not hold the values that we have and fight for the values that we have and speak the values that we have, but to always remember that the people, whoever they are, wherever they are, on whatever side of whatever disagreement, are our brothers and our sisters, and please God, we will be treated the same. Shabbat Shalom.